you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. She's going to be on a missions trip, and the Lord's going to use you, Kathy, in a great way. We're believing that many lives are going to be touched and changed, and uh, this church is praying for you. And when you get there and you get a moment that you feel fear, anxiety, insecurities, I want you to know that this church is praying for you, and we believe in you, and we know God's going to use you in a powerful way. Amen, amen. Why don't you extend your hands forward toward Kathy this morning and let's pray over her right now. Lord, we're believing that you're going to go with her. Lord, you're going to send angels before her and this incredible group of young people, Lord, that are going, Lord, to evangelize regions and areas, Lord, with so many lost souls. God, I'm believing that you're going to dispatch angels ahead of them and angels to be with them. Lord, that safety and security will be with them. Lord, that peace and safety will walk with them everywhere that they go. And Lord, that your spirit will guide them and direct them in the right path. Lord, to every person that is going to be receptive to the things of God. Lord, we're believing for reports of miracles, signs, wonders, repentance, baptism, and the infilling of your spirit by many, many souls. And we thank you for it, O God, and believe you for it right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. While we are in the spirit of prayer, If you'll just pause where you are this morning, I do want to pray uh, for um, Brother Willie Travis and Ashley Travis. Uh, This is Sister Charlene Mulberg's son-in-law. His mother passed away, I believe, this morning. And uh, I want us just to pray the strength of the Lord over 
them this morning. Would you pray that with me right now? Father, we need you this morning, and we ask you, Lord, to be with the Travis family, Lord, to strengthen them during this time of discomfort and pain and sorrow, Lord, this time of grief. I pray, Lord, that you be the lifter of their head, that, Lord, you strengthen them, Lord, that you support them and lift them up by your mighty hand. And we, Lord, let them feel, Lord, the love and compassion of the church as we pray and reach for them and, and reach out to them, Lord, during this difficult time. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. Thank you for your worship. Thank you for being here on this summer morning. You know, I'm good with you taking vacations, but when you're home, I'm glad you're in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3. Now, I'm gonna, this is going to be a little different this morning in the beginning. I don't know how we're going to end up, but from the start, uh, I'm going to start out teaching a little bit this morning, and um, I, I can only teach so long, and it usually gets a little, I get inspired, and uh, then we end up preaching a little while, so... How many of you are going to stay with me this morning? Amen. Amen. Brother Jerry Hannah is just wanting to uh, celebrate his 82nd birthday this morning. I'm sure they have a, his wife fixed him a great big lunch and, uh, you know, no telling what kind of parties they have and, and some going to the campground and, and some going to take a Sunday afternoon siesta and uh, pastors up here talking about teaching on Sunday morning. So I know it can be tough, but... Uh, stay with me this morning, and we're going to see what the Lord has for us. I believe he's going to speak to our heart today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 17 through verse number 19, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. I want to hear you talk back to me a little bit this morning, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm going to talk to you a little bit this morning about knowing the love of God, knowing the love of God. Now, I'm strategically teaching or preaching this this morning because I feel it is so very important because the world has, has diluted down the idea of the love of God. And there is a purity in the love of God. And we're going to talk about this for a little while today because the Apostle Paul challenges our human thinking, and I believe um, that in Ephesians chapter 3, that the, the good apostle spoke in that day what is so incredibly relevant in this day in which we live, and that is regarding how that you know, how to properly know, how do you know, how do you comprehend the love of Christ, which he says in his word, passes knowledge. So how do you know what passes knowledge? How do you know what passes knowledge? Now that's a little bit of a stump for you. 
when I start thinking through this, how can you comprehend that you may be able to comprehend and to know what passes knowledge? How do you comprehend what passes knowledge? How do you know what is what is greater than knowledge? The Apostle Paul challenges our thinking, but yet challenges us to know the love of Christ. Everybody say to know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. Then he says that the love of Christ passes knowledge. In other words, it is incomprehensible to the human mind. It is, it is higher the love of Christ surpasses or goes beyond. Now, I, I thought about I thought about doing this this morning, but I was a little afraid what kind of answers I might get out of some clowns that may be in the room this morning if I asked if I went open discussion in the room because I know some of you and you'll just throw me a stump just so you could see the look on my face. But to to have you in your own words to describe, maybe if you're a note taker, you can write down some words that would properly fit here, um, what does it mean when it says that to be able to comprehend? What does the, the word comprehend mean? And yet it talks about passes knowledge. So what passes knowledge? So anything that passes knowledge appears to be incomprehensible, yet the Scripture is telling us that we may comprehend and that we may know. So this has been this has been kind of stirring in my spirit for the last few hours as I'm thinking about um, how that the Apostle Paul is telling us that the love of Christ is incomprehensible to the human mind, yet it can be understood by the heart of man. Now I know when we talk about heart, it is believed and translated that it is talking about the very limbic brain or the limbic system. Now, don't don't get nervous on me. We're not going Genesis process on Sunday morning. But it is speaking of the limbic brain, which is the center or core of your brain. For those of you that was here, that were here during the time that Sister Lisa Lee was here and took several weeks teaching on Wednesday walking us through the limbic brain. She best described the limbic brain by taking your thumb, folding it in your hand, folding your fingers over and saying, this is your brain and your thumb is the limbic brain. It is the center or the core of your brain. It is the part of your brain that, is, that, that has the very earliest form of development. So... When you are in your mother's womb, the Bible said that he already knew you. That means that in that limbic brain, while you're still in your mother's womb, there is knowledge that is imparted from your creator into the human brain or the heart of man, all right? The heart of man. So the heart of man is already spoken to by God at the moment that he says, heart, beat. Because the heart cannot beat without something telling the heart to beat. 
So the heart must beat because the limbic brain, the center core of the brain, begins telling the heart to beat. At that moment, God begins to teach humanity things that can only be comprehended by the heart. Now we're born and life begins to happen and that limbic brain is developed over the first few years and reaches full development while the exterior of the brain continues to grow and continues to develop. But the hardest part of the heart of of the brain to change is what we call the heart or the center of the brain. What is the the, the thing that artichokes, right? You know what an artichoke heart is? So it's the center, right? It's the beginning. It's It's the fundamental beginning. So I'm trying to help us understand that when the Apostle Paul begins to speak, while we often can read through Scripture in a very elementary, uh, at a very elementary level, educational level, the Apostle Paul is speaking into very deep things that science is still trying to understand. Because it is not the Apostle Paul's words, it is God's words which formed man from the very beginning. And so when he breathed the breath of life into us and we became a living soul and he begins to impart things to us. Thus, the scripture over and again begins to teach us things that can only be known by the heart of man. This is why that I'm talking to you about this this morning because all through the scripture, the scripture teaches us about being careful about becoming heady and high-minded. Anybody with me this morning? If you help me, we're going to go somewhere today. We have to be careful about overanalyzing God and about overanalyzing the things of God and particularly the love of God because when we start trying to put human, human thinking around the love of God, he says, it's incomprehensible. It cannot be understood. But he said there is a way to comprehend it, and there is a way to know it, but yet it passes knowledge. So it passes the knowledge of human education and human understanding. But by the mind of God into the heart of man, there can be an understanding about the love of Christ. So the only way that one can be filled with the knowledge of God and to know the incomprehensible love of Christ is through a proper relationship with God Almighty. This is why we must be careful because when the relationship that we have with God gets off kelter, our Thinking about God moves from heart to head. Anybody with me today? Stay with me now. It moves from heart to head. So we start thinking with our feelings. We start letting our wound think for us. We start letting our hurt think for us. We 
we start letting our pride think for us. We start letting everything, all of our goals and ambitions think for us, and all of a sudden we change all of our beliefs about the love of God. Because we're not thinking with the core of what God has put within us because it is only in balance with relationship with God. This is why we have to be careful when relationship gets out of balance. We'll start speaking things that the heart knows better. And so we'll say things like, this isn't what I really want or this isn't where I really want to go or this isn't what I really want to do. No, because your heart knows better. Because God has already, it knows better, but you have stopped thinking with the, with the heart and now begin to start thinking with human reasoning. So therefore, I hurt. If I hurt, evidently, if I get away from whomever is hurting me or wherever is hurting me, that things are going to be better. I go through a few bad days and start blaming it on God, so I think if I backslide that things are going to get better. Anybody ever seen that work out for anyone? Of course not. You have a few days, can't get along with your spouse, you decide a divorce will be better. You ever found anybody that that worked out very good for them? Of course not. I'm not talking about legit reasons, I'm just talking about having a few bad days. In the Gospel of John, Jesus asked Peter three times about this subject of love. The original language clarifies what the, what the English language leaves out. The, the basic meaning of the English word love comes from many different sources with several different variations. Now, I've talked to you about this before, and you know, it's, you know, I love my car, I love my dog, and I love my wife. Woo. I'm glad I'm up here and she's down there right now. So we use this word, but it really doesn't, it's, it's a different love, right? That's because the English language only has the word love, and it's very difficult to comprehend what is really being said. Because there's a difference between the way I love my dog and the way I love my house and the way I love my wife. Right? So, the Bible points out six basic forms or meanings or words that translate to love. And so that's where we get the English word love. So we just keep throwing this word in, love, 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 love. But they're in the original it, it comes from a lot of different sources, and the English language just failed us here. And so there becomes a lot of confusion about what the Bible means when it starts talking about the love of Christ. The first word, I'm not going to get into all of the Greek and Hebrew translations of these words, but I'm just going to give you some brief, a, a very quick synopsis and overview of these of these words. The first basic form of the meaning of the word love is the, the love of things. It's strong emotional attachments and desires to fixed objects. Okay, when my wife, when my wife got sick and uh, was battling cancer, um, I was wanting to do something to make her feel better. She was in the hospital in Indianapolis. It was a very, very scary time for us. 
and I was sitting in the hospital with her, and um, the doctor had come in and given us some news that we did not want to hear. And uh, it turned out to be a false alarm, but at the moment, it was um, it was traumatic. I'm sitting there that afternoon, and uh, I'm just kind of going through my nothing space, and I'm fumbling through Facebook Marketplace. That's what I do when I like have nothing to do, and I just want my mind to like I can't think right now. And so I'm just fumbling. I'm not buying anything. I'm just fumbling through. And I ran across this little white convertible, and I thought, oh, my wife always said when she grew up and her kids got grown, she was going to have a little white convertible, two-seater that nobody but her and one person that she chose could ride in. And I thought, this may bring joy to his life. And so I jumped up from where I was, and I said, hey, i got to go look at something. I'll be back in a few minutes. I jumped in, made a quick phone call ran across Indianapolis, found this guy, went in, gave him a really hard story about my wife being sick and me being a poor preacher, and I really didn't have much money, and this was a really cheap car, and it had a few problems with it, but I, I, could, I, I could sell something and do something, try to move some things around, and I wanted, I was just buying this car to put a, to put a smile on her face, and uh, it moved on his heart. And he lowered the price like $1,300, and I bought it for a song, a dance, and a left arm. And um, so we went and picked it up and brought it home. And when she got home from the hospital, sitting in the driveway was a little white convertible. Now, she didn't know that I you know, paid more for the washing machine and dryer than I did to sit in the car. But it's sitting there top down, ready to ride, all polished up and shined up. And she pulled in and she said, who's here? And I said, nobody, just us. And I just pulled out the key and handed to her. And, of course, it did exactly what I was hoping it would do. She started crying. I said, oh, is that fine? Well, now she's better. And the car stays parked in the garage all the time with dust on it. So a few months ago, I said, well, it's time for the car to go. We don't have time for it, don't have place for it. Um, it's got to go. And she reluctantly said, okay. So I put it up for sale, and somebody came and looked at it and pointed out all the flaws in it. And I was just really just trying to make space. And so I, I said, well, I told the lady, I said, she, had, she offered me well less than what I was asking. And I said, well, let me ask my wife, make sure she's okay with that, because we were going to use that cash to do a new project on our house. And, and um so I came to my wife, and I said, she's offered a little less, and I wanted to ask you about selling the car, um, see what you thought. And she said, you know, I, I don't really ask for too much, and I don't really need too much, but we, we kind of love that car. And I don't want to get rid of it. For a moment, I got jealous because I wanted her to say that about me and not the car. she loved the car and didn't want to get rid of it. And here I am standing there thinking, well, you should have said I love you and don't want to get rid of me. See, she had a strong emotional attachment to this because it was a memory and something that she liked and enjoyed. We're going to have to clean that thing up and get it out or it's going to have to stay. I just, it was easier to say that here than at home. 
second word that translates into love is a strong attachment or respect or loyalty for a subordinate to a superior, so such as a military commander or a boss or someone in high authority. The third is the love between parents and children. So when you love your children, it is a different type of love, and each of these have a different meaning. And then number four is the love and close attachment of a brother or a friend, which is different than the love of a child or different than the love of a thief. And then number five is the desires and love between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And that love is different than the love between a child. And so uh, we just see English. See, here's where English messes us all up. And it tells us that, you know, it's just one word, love, 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 love. And yet all these different meanings out of Scripture comes. And then the sixth the sixth is the love of God. And this is where I'm getting to, and this is where we're going to turn the corner a little bit with this lesson this morning. It, it talks about the love of God. And the love of God is quite different because everything, the best way for me to describe it to this congregation is to talk about the love of Christ or the love of God is to call it a constraining or a tying love. It is two objects tied together. It is whatever, it is love, it is, it is the thing that ties mankind and God together. Constraining love. Now in our text, Jesus, that, that I just referred to, Peter, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me like a friend? He responds, yes, Lord. The second time, the original language says, do you love me like a brother? And he says, yes, Lord. And the third time Jesus said, do you love me with the love of God? Peter became upset at that moment and said, yes, Lord, you know. The issue is the love of God is more power, is a more powerful love than any one of us could ever comprehend or know with human reasoning. The reason is because we think with our finite, finite minds through words that cannot adequately describe God's love toward mankind. This is why the writer says to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Because you can read books about loving God and books about what it means and you can get educations and diplomas and degrees and you can, you can have all of these things about the love of God. But the love of God is what ties you to Him. <laughs> it's what ties us together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth. Everybody say that word. Constraineth us. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ constraineth. It ties us. The love of Christ ties us, constrains us. The love of God has the power to constrain us. 
on a hold us, to fix us into a position. I don't care about hikes. I don't like hikes. But I've worked in and around hikes, particularly when I worked construction. And it was never enjoyable. And But I did it. And there was one particular, probably one of the scariest moments, probably a moment that I was about as close to losing my life as I had ever been. I had been sick, and I was working on a project in Bloomington. It was toward the end of me working construction. And I was working on a dam at uh, Lake Griffey in Bloomington, Indiana. And they had drained the lake, and our crew were there, and we were working on this dam. And they had installed what's called a pump station. And that pump station goes far down, and it's when they are really trying to dry things. They can go well below the ground level and draw the water and be able to get rid of the water so that the ground level even dries up. And so this thing goes about 55, 60 feet in the ground, very, very deep. And it's just a small concrete structure. And it had an aluminum ladder on it. And that aluminum ladder is straight up the wall, okay? It's like straight up the wall. And there's, there's no slant to it or anything. And uh, when you climb 55, 60 feet um, straight up, that's, that's a ways. And if you have any issues with heights, you definitely don't want to look down. It was a hot summer day, and I'm in the bottom, and I had climbed down. Going down, I was okay. And when I got in, I began to realize I wasn't feeling well that day, and then I knew that I had to climb up. And I wasn't sure what the oxygen levels were down in the bottom of this tank. And I looked at the things I needed to look at that they had asked us to repair. And I had to get up and out of there very quickly. But in my descent, I did not take any of the proper, imagine, the proper safety equipment, right? I, I, I left it all out. You're supposed to have safety tripod, winch, harness, and that way if you happen to slip and fall, immediately it grabs you, right? It catches you. I should have brought one in. I still have all of that equipment up in the north building in storage and to, to show you what it is that that uh, arrests you, it catches you, and if you're if you slip off uh, in just a moment of the fall, it is designed to where there is a trigger that catches and holds you in place uh, until somebody can come and either they winch you up or they can allow you back down into the to the bottom of of where you are. So I had none of that. I didn't have on a harness. I didn't have on any safety equipment. I just took off, truck down to the bottom, and I took off back up. And I start up, and I'm just going and going and going and going. And remember, I wasn't feeling well when I was in the bottom. I get up about 40, 45 feet, and out of nowhere, just like that, my head started just spinning. And I thought I was going to And I was so concerned, I locked both arms over and tried to like create some sort of like this was going to work, like I would be able to hold myself. And I was locked there for a minute, and I started praying with everything I had. And I said, God, God, I need you right now. 
I've got about 15 feet to go to get out of this tank, and right now I need you. And it was all, I mean, this had to happen quickly because if not, if I would have blacked out, I would have fallen into this, and nobody even knew that I was there. And that was even more concerning. And I wasn't really thinking about all that. At this moment, I was just in survival mode. And it was that I was in a traumatic situation, and I needed God's help. And I cried out to the Lord, and I slowed my breathing down, and I controlled my breathing, and I just closed my eyes and focused for a moment, and I took a few breaths, and I pulled my hand out, and I gripped, and I started taking one step at a time until I finished to the top. And when I got to the top, I just rolled out, and I just laid out in the sun for a few minutes, caught my breath, and went on. I was so close to falling because the system that had been designed to prevent catastrophic, catastrophic failure had been avoided because I thought I knew better. And so therefore, I had had so many experiences in life that I was certain that this would be no problem for me and it came very close to have costed me perhaps even my own life. I had everything I needed there. It was on the job. It was right there. I just didn't use what was available. Now you're wondering why I'm giving such a detailed story to you because this is what I want you to understand about the love of Christ. It is a constraining love that is intended to hold you and to tie you when things don't go the way that you thought they were going to. It is the very thing that adjusts and writes you. And the only prerequisite is that you stay in proper relationship. That is how you make sure when relationship with God is intact, don't worry about falling because the scripture says you can never fail. And some want to say, well, that means you can't sin and you can't be lost. Wrong. But when, you're, when you have your relationship with God right, it will keep you from falling in a destructive, potential harmful situation. It's up to you to use it. Where is your relationship? Because really what I'm talking to you about this morning is relationship. Because when relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is right, don't talk to me about all the problems you're having in life if you're not praying. That's called relationship. Don't talk to me about all the problems in life you're having if you're not doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. That's why we have to be in alignment with him. This isn't hard preaching. This isn't, this isn't heaven or hell preaching. I'm just telling you that if you want to, 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 to make sure that you have the security net of the love of Christ, relationship is prerequisite to because without relationship, that is the attachment, that is the lanyard, that is the harness, that is what balances me, that is what keeps me from falling. The love of Christ has the power to constrain us. Talk to so many people that serve the Lord with the attitude of, 
but what is required and what do I have to do and how little can I give or others that say, well, there's a list of do's and don'ts and regulations and, and I'm going to try, if you'll just give me, if you'll give me, we just have one service today, if you'll give me 20 more minutes, could you give me 20 minutes? I, I won't go past 12 o'clock, all right? I won't go past 12 o'clock. If you'll give me 20 more minutes, I want to I bring this in full circle. Listen, the law was given as a list of rules and do's and don'ts. Go and start reading them in the book of Leviticus. You can go through and read, and it says eat this and don't eat that and do this and don't do that. And we can try to take the grace of God all out of, out of whack and say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to lean on grace because I live under grace and I don't have to do anything. That's incorrect as well. See, under the system of the law, under the age of law, under the, under the, the, the season and time uh, and covenant of law, it, it, was, it was if you sin, you die. And now we're under grace, so God looks at us through the blood. Now let me help you understand this. And so some take that and... You know, it's, oh, well, pastor's talking about love. That's sloppy agape. You know, no, 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 no. That's a misunderstanding of the love of God. Because it's not do whatever you want and God's, this is, this is, no, listen. The love of Christ that constrains us requires, requires us to stay tethered. We have to stay connected to the source. The source that we have to stay connected to, the source, the tether is called relationship. The tether is relationship. God's got you. Just keep relationship in order. Don't get heady and high-minded because when you do that, you start thinking you are God and He is not. Oh, I feel the help of the Holy Ghost this morning. I want to tell somebody that's been going through some tough times in your life, you're not God, and whatever it is that's coming against you is not God. He is still God. He has the final word, and he will speak the final word. Not you, not sickness, not hurt, not pain. God has the final word. So the, the law is recorded. Strict rules. Do's and don'ts, guidelines for people to live by. The law created a certain standard or regulation. The law mandated a particular lifestyle. The law handed down directives and requirements and participation. The law enforced the commandments. The law commanded obedience and ensured swift judgment to the disobedient. But what the law was unable to do is the law never had the ability to restore broken relationship. The law could restore rules and actions, but not relationship. That's why Jesus Christ came, because only He can restore broken relationship. So broken relationship requires the cross and the blood and the name. Because without Jesus Christ, 
that relationship is broken because none of us are good enough, pretty enough, famous enough, wealthy enough, live by the law enough, strict enough, dress right enough, look right enough. None of that's going to do it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You're never going to do it with your own thinking, with your education, with your knowledge, with whatever you own. It will never do it. It takes the blood. Oh, precious is the flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only the blood can bring man back into right relationship with God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Right relationship eradicates the need for demands and directives. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's, I don't know how many's here this morning, a lot of people out, but let, let's, let me tell you, there's some in the room this morning, most of you in the room this morning understand very clearly what I'm talking about and what I'm preaching about, but there may be some that have this idea that serving God is a list of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. I want to abolish that this morning and tell you, This is a church of relationship. Relationship eradicates the need for demands and directives. That's why I don't get up and beat the drum all the time and tell you do this and don't do that and do this and don't. I'm going to preach right relationship because when you get relationship right, you know what happens? I want to please him. I delight to do his will. It's my desire. It's my pleasure to serve him. It's what I want to do. Nobody's making me do it. Nobody's forcing me to serve him. I do it because I love it. See, I didn't ask you to stand this morning, but some of you are standing because your soul is feeling the joy and you're saying, nobody asked me to do this, but I got to clap this morning. I got to say amen. I got to lift my voice. I don't praise him because Dylan says praise him or Sister Ashley says clap your hands. I do it because he's worthy. It pleases him. This holiness lifestyle is difficult if it's a list of do's and don'ts. But when you get past the list of do's and don'ts and it becomes relationship, you start saying, what can I do to please him? Jesus said, if you love me, the only way I know if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's all I got to hear. I don't, I don't go and fuss about the places I don't go. I love him. I'd rather have relationship right with him. 
there's certain jokes that I'm not going to tell. I love him too much. There's certain places I'm not going to go. I love him too much. There's certain things I'm not going to say. I love him too much. It isn't because my wife's making me. It's because I want relationship with him more than anything else. Not the pleasures of the world and what my mind tells me I can do. Whenever God was ready to reveal the magnitude of his love, he did so by the magnitude of his gift. Here is the correlation between our love and our giving, our love and our commitment, our love and our faithfulness. Because when God got ready to reveal the magnitude of his love, he says, greater love hath no man than this. No man takes my life, but... I lay it down. Not required. Nobody's forcing it. Nobody, nobody's making him. But he did it because he loved us. And then he tells us our service. There's people, literally people that work 40 and 50 hours this week is going to get together this afternoon and go over to a campground, going to go volunteer and work. You know, that just doesn't even make sense, does it? I mean, we show up to church, and the air conditioners are on, and we ought to just sit back and relax, and next thing we know, we find ourselves standing and clapping and worshiping and putting the energy and effort in. That doesn't even make sense, does it? No, not, 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 to, the, not to the mind, not to the brain. No, 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 no. But the heart says, i got to let him know. It's, it's something in the heart. There's something on the inside. See, that's why the, the, the scripture's just full of these ideas. I don't have to. I do it because I have a concept of the love of Christ. It is the love of Christ that is greater. I have 12 minutes. The sacrificial lamb was never beaten. Understand this. The sacrificial lamb was never beaten. Matter of fact, the sacrificial lamb was spotless and without blemish and could never have been beaten. No bones broken, no torture. They took a hot knife, razor-sharp knife, to take and slit the throat of that lamb to try to even make it painless. Yet, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. But he didn't have to go through all that. All the lamb had to do was die. It was prophecy. It was prophesied that he would die on the cross. That's the only reason that he died on the cross. It was prophecy that nails would be in his hands. That it was customary, it was customary for someone on the cross to be tied to the cross. But he went a little further, and they put nails in his hands and in his feet. And the scripture, of course, tells us that there was going to be a day in which the church, Zion, is going to say, the Lord hath forgotten me, and my God hath forsaken me. And he said, behold, I have graven thee in the 
palm of my hands. So that was all prophetic to the church where he is saying, no, when the day you think God doesn't know where you are, ask Thomas about the nail prints in his hand. That, that's because he got your name right there. I haven't forgotten you, and I'm not leaving you. I am going to come. If I go away, I will return, and I will, I will come to get you. I haven't forsaken you. So they didn't take his life. He laid it down. All of this is the love of Christ. Jesus, because of his love, goes further than is required. Everybody say required. Because the love of Christ makes you go further than required. See, requirement requirement is always pushing against will, right? Requirement pushes against will. I don't like that. I don't want to do it. It's pushing against human pride, requirement. But relationship doesn't push against that. My wife, sometimes I come home, and I may not even be hungry, but I'm just like, she's had a bad day. I go, hey, babe, you want to go get a bite to eat? It's not because I need to go to a restaurant. I'm just trying to be selfish and just let her know she's, she's a good cook. I just, I, just want, I just want a plate. I just want to see her smile. I just leave that purse sitting in the garage, dirty and unopened. Just because it makes her smile. See, because that's what relationship will do. It's, it's not rules. It's not rules. Nobody says I have to. Matter of fact, she didn't even say I had to. Now, I mean, if she said I had to, we all know right, that I would have stood up and beat my chest. But, you know, poor Sarah Ann. People get up and they just chuckle. had to die, but he was wounded for our transgressions. That means when we fail him and we make mistakes, he was wounded. So we know that those wounds is that we have an advocate with the Father and we, we know that we can go back into our personal tree, we can repent, and that he receives us back. We're not eternally lost because we did something wrong. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities are the worst sin that mankind could ever could, could ever so that when you do something, say, "Well, you know, I could never be forgiven. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You know how far I've gone. I've done the unthinkable. I've gone." No, 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 no. He he was wounded for transgressions. He was bruised for those. And he said, "The chastisement of our peace." So every time you struggle with having peace in your mind, know this: all the chastisement, the mocking, the beard plucking, all that he went through, the chastisement that he went through was so that you and I would be able to live life in peace. He paid the price for your peace. If you were mentally and emotionally tormented and, and you were constantly, let me tell you, let's, let's, don't, don't work on the outer. Don't work on the outer things. I, I want to challenge somebody that is constantly dealing with things, with mental and emotional uh, uh, struggles. I, I want to tell you, I want you to take the next month or so and just work on relationship, 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 relationship. Because when relationship gets, gets right enough, you'll start saying, you know what, I think I'm going to accept the chastisement that he took so I don't have to live every day with anxiety and depression and open. 
He didn't have to, but he did it. You know why he did it? Because he loved you, and that is the love of Christ. That is what he did because he loved you. And of course, by his stripes we're healed, so we have healing because he did more than was required. But then here we come, six minutes, my Lord, help me. Here we come into the picture, and we're like, okay, give me the bare minimum that I have to do in order to be part of this thing. And we miss the point right there. Because it's about relationship. And when we get in relationship with him, we're saying, no, it's not It's not because I have to. It is because I want to. One last place in scripture I'm going to take you to in the next five minutes. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to, Dylan, I want that music playing. I want that music playing in five minutes. Okay? Or four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. Four minutes. I mean, three minutes. Whatever. All right. Whew, he's trying to rush me up. He's saying, Dad, you're, you're struggling this morning. Listen, listen, listen. The law, the law of those who, the, the law of the, of, of the servant, the law of the slave, was that they did whatever their master said they had to do, and they served because they had to do it. The year of Jubilee, when all the debts were paid and all the, the slaves were released and everybody went back, there was an option for the slave to go to the master and tell the master, I do not want to leave your house. I want to stay in your house because you treat me better. I have nowhere else to go, no better place to go. The best thing I can do is live here, and I want to stay here. And the master took the servant, and he would take him to the doorpost of the house, and he had what is called an awl, and I've got to hurry here, and he would push that awl through the ear. He would pierce the ear, and it made a, it made a, a marking in the ear of that slave. At that moment, he's no longer a slave. Now he is called a servant. Difference. Let that settle. If you have a slave mentality, you need to work on relationship and get a servant mentality. Slave mentality does it because you're afraid of the whip. But a servant mentality says, put me against the cross. Put me against the doorpost. And he is marked by the all that went through his ear. And when people saw him, they knew, oh, oh, that doesn't just speak of him. That also speaks of his master. <laughs> that also speaks of his master because it speaks of his willingness to serve. But the master's good enough to him that he wanted to serve. And so he wears the mark of his master that says, I'm doing this because I want to. Hey, we're here on Sunday morning at 11.57 and nobody made us do it. My ear has been opened. David said, mine ear hast thou opened and I delight to do thy will. That's what he's talking about. I am no longer a slave. It's not about a list of dues. It's the love of Christ. That's what keeps me. He could have called 10,000 angels to come down and take him off the cross and save his life. He could have done it, but he did not because of relationship, because it was love that constrained him, because he wanted to pay the price for you and I. And the same thing that tied Jesus to the cross is the same thing that ties you and I to the church.
constraining love. Because if you're here because you have to, it isn't doing you a whole lot of good. But if you're here because you love him, if you serve him because you love him, because you want relationship with him, and I delight to do thy will, it's not too much to ask of me. My sacrifice, my giving, my, my labor, my worship, my praise, my prayer time, it's not too much. I owe it to him because he's been so good. If you feel that way this morning, let's fill up these altars for a few moments. Let's just step to the front of this room. Not because I'm asking you. Just This is just a general invitation to walk to the front of this room and just declare, not because I'm being asked, but because I want to just let the world know I delight to serve the Lord. It's my delight. It's my delight. If you don't know him, join us this morning. Here's an opportunity to meet him right here this morning.
take a moment and just pray together just one last time. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the word that we've heard today, God. We thank you, Lord, for that reach, Lord, that we feel from you.